0: This is episode number 328 with the happy pair, Dave and Steve. The Melissa Ambrosini Show. Welcome to The Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating. If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Dave and Steve, also known as the happy pair, are identical twins. And they were on the other side of the world from each other when they both switched to a plant-based diet within a week of each other without talking to each other. That is when the happy pair seeds were sown. Fast forward 15 years, they have four cafes, a farm, a product range, a rotisserie, six online courses, four cookbooks, 120 amazing employees, and a community of over 1 million people eating more vegetables. They are all about a happier and healthier world. They absolutely love rising early and heading to the beach to catch the sunrise. They appreciate every day and really believe that the key to happiness is good health and a great support network. They love nothing more than inviting over the people they love and cooking up a storm. You can check out their latest book, The Happy Pair, Vegan Cooking for Everyone, and they've developed an encyclopedia knowledge of how it works and how to make vegan food simple, creative, and totally irresistible. This conversation was so much fun. The energy from these two was next level. I could feel it all the way on the other side of the world. And in today's conversation, we chat about how they started a business as a vehicle for social change, what it's like being an identical twin, and how they harness their twin tuition. I love that they call it that. We also talk about the keys to fulfillment, what is success to them, the secret ingredients to achieving happiness, the two keys you must harness for meaningful connections, even during physical distancing, which a lot of us are experiencing right now, the silent sleep epidemic and the powerful five-step guide to improve your sleep hygiene, how to move through dark times and come back to inner peace, how to get aligned with your true desires, plus so much more. Now, this episode was recorded at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, so just keep that in mind. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at com forward slash 328. But before we dive into this energetic and super fun episode, I want to read the review of the week. This week, it's a five star review from Future Lawyer titled So Uplifting. And future lawyer says, thank you, Melissa, for providing listeners with a wealth of information to improve not only our well-being but all aspects of our lives. Your voice is so uplifting and positive. Thank you, future lawyer. I hope you do become a lawyer in the future. Definitely do. Thank you for that beautiful review. I'm so grateful. And as a little thank you gift, I want to send you my Wildly Wealthy Guided Meditation. All you have to do is email me a screenshot of your review to hello at and I'll email that over to you. And if you want to get your hands on my Bursting with Love Guided Meditation, all you have to do is leave a review on Amazon for either Mastering Your Mean Girl or Open Wide or both and send me a screenshot of that review as well and I will email that over to you. And now, without further ado, let's bring on the happy pair, Dave and Steve. Guys, welcome to the show, Dave and Steve. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, I need you to both tell me what you had for breakfast this morning.
1: Well, it's 6.30 a.m., so we haven't really had breakfast. We had a swim. We we did We did pull-ups. And then we went for a swim. And then we had a bit of mushroom tea. And then we had a bit of cordyceps tea. So it's only 6.30am here. So we kind of haven't really had breakfast yet. But I'm going to have porridge shortly. Oatmeal. Do you guys call it oatmeal? Oatmeal. They probably call it oatmeal. We'll have porridge soon.
0: Oh, okay. Yes, we call it oatmeal or yeah, yeah, oats. I was like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about, but I get it now. Right. I'm so excited to have you guys on the show. I want to hear your story. Tell me how you got to where you are today, how you became the happy pair. Start from the start and tell us the story. How did you get here?
1: Yeah, so I guess we're we're identical twins. We live in a small little town called Greystones in Ireland. We're looking at the sea right here now, so it's beautiful. Yeah, we grew up in this little town and we, being identical twins, we were always overachievers because we've always competed for our mother's love and attention. So like back when we were in school, we were or back when we finished school, we were playing semi-pro rugby. We were playing, we were nearly pro in golf. We were doing modeling. We played baseball for, you know, we were, we were overachievers in most things. And then ended up, we went and studied business at the time. Like we went to all boys' school, so we didn't care what the hell we studied. We just wanted to be around girls. We ended up going studying business and being overachievers. Business, the underlying theme was make loads of money and then you're going to be happy. So of course, being overachievers, we were excelling at, uh, You know, we were good at university and then we finished using university and we kind of didn't really feel, I don't know, we didn't feel like it didn't feel fulfilling. It didn't feel, it felt kind of hollow or whatever. So it kind of felt like there was more to life to be explored. I don't know. There was a a depth of life that was kind of missing. So I remember sitting at home one Christmas saying, I'm going away, Dave. I'm going to get a one-way ticket. I'm going away on my own. You can't come and I'm not coming back until I'm happy and I know what I'm interested in. We were, I think I was age 21 at the time. 21. Yeah, 21. I probably just turned 22 actually. Yeah. And we were like, we were total meat eating, beer drinking, you know, hot blooded males. So, and we left and kind of um, ended up going on our own separate journey for a couple of years. Obviously we ended up kind of giving up meat and kind of started eating lots of vegetables and just eating vegetables. And, and it kind of just happened all by chance. It kind of like we weren't in any way interested in this type of way. It was just more met someone that sounded interesting. Cool, I'll try it. Well, that feels pretty cool. Yeah, I'll try a little bit more. And, you know, before we knew it, I was, you know, I was exploring. I guess we're all brought up, kind of told what success is by our parents, by our teachers, by our communities. And it was only when we went Outside of our own little environment, that we're able to more explore our social conditioning and what was success for us and what gave us a sense of meaning and purpose. It's easy for me to articulate it now, looking back retrospectively. But at the time, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was just like, "Oh, that sounds interesting." But we, but we ended up traveling separately. Like, um, I think I went to be a pro golfer in South Africa, and Stephen was off being a snowboard instructor in Whistler, and I guess. We ended up, and, and he, as we said, we ended up spending a couple of years traveling and it was really just trying. We ended up spending a lot of time on organic farms and meditation centers and just all sorts of curious different things. And then one day we were age 23, I think what Steve calls me up and he says, uh, Dave, Dave, do you want to start a health food revolution? And then um, those were his words. And, and I thought, oh, cool, great. And then he says, uh, do you want to start a vegetable shop? I was like, a feckin' vegetable shop? Like, vegetable shop? That doesn't sound very cool. He says, just trust me, Dave, I've got this idea. And as we said, we left as these kind of well-respected, we were overachievers in our small little town. And then we came back as these long-haired hippies that were now vegans that didn't drink alcohol and now we starting a vegetable shop. So people obviously thought we had totally lost the plot. And we started a little vegetable shop age 24. It's back in 2004. We had a dream of creating a happier, healthier, kind of more connected world. That was really it. You know, selling vegetables. Yeah. And we started with a little vegetable shop and it's gone from me and steve yeah i guess we always started with the idea that it was as Stephen said it was to it was greater ideals and like he wanted to call it uh he wanted to call it flinner's fruit and veg for social change like but it just wouldn't fit across the shop front and uh and i guess the whole thing like it was really it was to use business as a vehicle for social change to try to i guess we'd thrown out this kind of capitalistic idea that money will make you happy and we kind of wanted to try to Add value and use business, and to work within the business community to try to create a better world. That was really it. And I guess it's gone from the two bus to where there's now a team of 120 people, and we've got f- four cafes. We've 30 products in a thousand stores. We've right cookbooks. I think we sold a quarter million cookbooks, and we've you know done loads of different stuff. I think so, but it's it's been a really fun adventure, you know.
0: Wow. Holy moly. Oh, my God. There's so many things I want to ask you about. Firstly, I want to know when you had your time apart, being identical twins, like how was that for you guys? Like did you still feel each other? Like I've read so many studies about how even when identical twins are apart, they can still feel what the other one's going through. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like I think being an identical twin – at least in our experience, you're so fortunate. Like so many people are looking for someone that loves them unconditionally and understands them and just gets them. And being an identity twin, you've always had that. You've never had to look for it. Like you just have it, which is, might sound strange or might sound weird to people, but I guess it's, for us, it's been such an incredible blessing. And to to split up like that, it was weird. Initially, you were kind of turning around for your support. And it was like, oh, they're not there. But then after kind of a week later, you realized they're still there they're not there, like maybe physically, but they're still there and you'd still feel very much connected. And even to tell one kind of anecdotal story, I remember when I was in Whistler first, I met a guy from our hometown, Greystones, Connor, and I didn't have much money. And he said I could sleep in his floor. And he brought me up to his apartment and he kind of showed me the little corner of the room and said, there's your bed. And I was like, great, deadly. And he introduced me to some of the people in the room or in the kind of apartment one of the guys was a guy from Australia, this fellow called Adrian, and he happened to be cooking a lentil soup. And I didn't know what the hell a lentil was. I didn't know. I, I didn't really grow up eating food like that. And he asked me if I wanted to try it. And I was like, I don't know. Okay, I'll try it. And I remember trying it, going, wow, it's delicious. I didn't know you could eat lentils. They're amazing. And we got talking more and, and he told me he was a vegetarian. And up until that point, I'd never met a man that was a vegetarian. I didn't know men could be vegetarians. So it was like, wow. I kind of asked him, could I eat what he ate for the week? And I kind of ate like a vegetarian for the week and thought, this is great. I, I I want to be a vegetarian. And lo and behold, I called Dave up, who was in South Africa at the time. And we hadn't been in touch at all. And lo and behold. Oh, I'd become a vegetarian that week too. So I just <laughs> met a pretty girl and lo and behold, it happens.
0: Wow. And then that has led you to have this empire that you have now created. But I want to go back because you touched on something really important. And that was success and I feel like we all have a definition of success society puts this definition of success on us what would you say to someone who was in the same boat as you and they were chasing this ideal of success to only realize that it's someone else's ideal and not actually theirs like what would you say to someone who's in that predicament right now
1: well, I think it's kind of hard because, you know, if if I'm trying to give someone else advice, it's hard. Like they mightn't be able to listen to it or they mightn't have the reference pointed. So I know I could say it to myself, like I could say it to a younger version of myself. And I'd really say that because everyone knows these kind of, these quintessential metaphors or cliches that, oh, real success is your wealth. You know, and a 70 year old will tell you that and he goes, yeah, I know it is. And I just want a pretty girl. And it's like, it's not, you know, whatever, you know, our real success is not about the money. It's like, well, if you live in a tin can, it is, you know, so, so I think it it all kind of, I think everyone's definition is probably going to be different, you know, and without going too cliched, I think the older we get, the more we realize it's more about having more ease and more grace and more, kindness and those things in our lives and I guess that's what you know the less we chase the things that you're meant to chase yeah even to tell a little story I remember back about three maybe four years ago we borrowed a large sum of money I think it was about a million and a half and we were we planned on opening five stores over the next three years and we were gonna go home we were gonna scale the business yeah yeah let's go do it And we opened another cafe and we kind of launched a few more products. And suddenly we found out I wasn't swimming in the sea. I wasn't taking my kids to school. I was kind of like, I was in the car loads. I was kind of like, is this what success is? And I remember at the same time. At the same time, I'd done my, uh, like we studied business and I'd done my thesis on this English business philosopher. His name's Charles Handy. He sold a few million copies of books, like very interesting character. And I did my thesis on him. And just by chance, like a couple of months later, we got an email from this lady, Liz Handy, and she was doing a photography project in Identical Twins. She was based in London. She was going to fire close. She wanted to photograph us. I was like, okay, cool. She came across and just so happened her assistant was her husband, Charles Handy. So, And he was 80 at the time. I'm, I'm talking to him, telling him about the business. He's like, oh, this is fascinating. Oh, great. He said, why don't you come across to my farm in Cambridge? I'll cook you lunch and we can chat about what, what real success is, where you want to go. Sense sounds like you're a crossword. So we went across. We went over to his lovely farm. We brought our parents, our brother with us. He's an 84 year old. He cooked us a nice vegan lunch, you know, of lovely vegetables or whatever. And we sit and we have dinner with him and we discussed this discussion about what real success is, what meaning is. And it's like a beautiful, really wise, like I felt like I was almost sitting on a cloud, you know, sitting chatting to God, like that kind of thing. And um, through those kind of stories, I guess we realized those conversations, we kind of realized that we're kind of reminded, really, reminded that it's really it's in the day to day, the little things and not so much like whether you've got five million in your bank account or 50 euro or 10 cents, you've still got to sit somewhere. You still got to go to the toilet. You still got to talk to people. You still have to eat something. And real success is within yourself, knowing the little details, the finer details of. Being able to appreciate the small things. Yeah, yeah, I think that was kind of, and like maybe we're not doing the best telling the story here, but it was more through that experience of kind of like society tells you you need to have, you know, your business needs to be doing X, Y, Z, 10 million. You need to scale. You need to have loads of employees. You need to have X amount of followers. You need to have whatever, all these various things. But I guess through those things, we realized through experience that it's really more about the little day-to-day details of, having nice brekkie with your partner, you know, going for a swim in the sea, walking your kids to school, the little kind of simple moments, listening to a bird that's singing, you know, and trying to be at ease within these moments where there's less, I guess it's more the internal journey and less the external journey of accumulating things.
0: Totally agree. Absolutely. It's an inside job. So how can we be happier? Like, especially with what's going on in the world right now, How can we find that internal happiness? What are the key ingredients?
1: It's an amazing time of awakening. That's what I would say. You know, there's all sorts of devastation and dis-ease and disharmony and fear and anxiety and all sorts of things. But also at the same time, the silver lining, I think, is there's almost like a mass awakening in a sense, because I think people are being forced to slow down. You know, everyone's being forced, you know, like certainly here in Ireland, there's a lot of, we're in our homes, we're allowed to walk and it's very slow, but everything is slowed right down. No one's in a rush anymore. No one's got anything really important to do other than say hello to people. Oh, hello, how are you? I've had more conversations in the last couple of weeks with people from a distance, of course, but with people that were typically too busy or whatnot. You know, so I think the... I think it, it's reminding us through this process of what's going on now, it's reminding us that it's really the little things, how life isn't as secure as we think it is, and to really enjoy the kind of day-to-day little simple little interactions. I think happiness is kind of, it in itself is ephemeral, Attainable. subjective, unattainable. I think what happiness is is the product of many things that we do. And I think there's many things like it in itself as Kind of like the infinite. It's hard to to touch, to grasp. To, I, I'm now ten out of ten happy. Like it's, you know, it's naturally the the, the emotional. Like, yeah, well you finish. Kind it, it's done. an up and down kind of cycle. But I think there are many things that can underpin like the basics of, of 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 to make yourself in a position to experience more joy, more harmony, more balance, more balance. And I think you know, often we do a, a number of talks and we kind of cover five basic tips. Um, we go through them. Yeah, I think point number one yes. is just eating more. Like I think nowadays, statistically, nine out of 10 people in the West, whether it's Australia, Ireland, the UK, wherever it might be, particularly in the Western world, nine out of 10 people don't get their daily recommended allowance of fiber. And far, we only getting fruit and veg. You know, we live in a protein-obsessed society. We're, oh, do you get a protein? <laughs> but really, most people just aren't eating enough fruit and veg. So point number one is trying to eat more fruit and veg. Most of us don't eat enough of it. It's not about being vegetarian or vegan. It's about doing your best. Just trying to eat more whole foods. Because I could eat a vegan diet and eat nothing but dark chocolate and french fries. But... I'm not terribly healthy for myself or for the greater environment. So, I think the more you can base the majority of your diet or your calories based around whole foods, the better your body's going to function and the better it is for the environment. Yeah. Okay. Boom. Point number one. Point number two. What's point number, oh, point number two? Okay. So, people will often ask us, geez, where do you get your energy? You're fecking insufferable. You're so annoying. You have so much energy, whatever. So, uh, like, I guess the question might be our main fuel source is not like in the afternoon, a lot of people will turn to coffee, they'll turn to, you know, a chocolate bar, you'll turn to a snack bar, whatnot. like assuming that those things will give you energy or or maybe they'll have a glass of water or whatever. But our main fuel source, the main place that we get energy as humans is actually oxygen. It's actually oxygen. And it sounds like, oh, oxygen, oh, how boring. But it's really, we live in a sedentary world now where things are so comfortable. You know, we all have to count our steps because we don't move enough. But when you look at the blue zones, the longest living people in the planet, that's the, the blue zones done by Dan Buettner. You know, they typically, these people that live, the, the most meant centenarians, they live long, happy, healthful lives and they consistently move throughout the day. So their environment naturally forced them to move every 20 minutes. So I think it's less about running marathons and having abs or having big guns or whatever it might be, but it's really just about consistently moving throughout the day and really, yeah, really, like, even if you think about it, like we we've got young kids, we've got five kids, not together, but between us like my kids aren't very good at sitting still. They're young kids. Like dinner takes about five minutes in my house and young kids on average smile somewhere between, I think they say it's about 300 to 400 times a day. Like, and kids can't stop moving. Whereas as adults where, you know, we've had years of training of sitting still, you know, we've had school, we've had college, we've had work, you know, we're very good at sitting still. An average adult will smile somewhere between 20 and 50 times a day. So Really point number two, it's about just consistently moving, you know, like it's, you know, if you look at people that are, that have less, they move more and they tend to have more genuine smiles, more authentic senses of joy about them. So I think movement is whatever it might be. It's, it's going for walks. It's, I know like we've been writing a book recently. So every 30 minutes we'll set an alarm and spend three to five minutes doing stretching, moving, doing whatever, but just moving because it's like we're mammals. We need to move. It makes us happy. So point number two is to try to move more if you're looking for more energy. And these are five tips to kind of be a little bit happier, to experience more joy or more harmony, more balance. Point number three, when they looked at the blue zones, which this was National Geographic and Dan Buettner and a bunch of scientists, they found the five areas in the world with the most amount of people who lived over the age of 100. And they found it was nine lifestyle factors that kind of predicated why these people lived such long, happy lives. And when they boil it down to mm-hmm. one most important factor for a long healthy life, most people think, "Oh, it's it's oxygen." No, no, it's what you eat. Oh no, oh, no, no it's money. It's, it's positive thinking. It's positive thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. No, but they found it the most important thing for a long healthy happy life. It's actually community and social connection. We're social creatures, so I think the more you can set up your lifestyle, like if you want to, the more you can set up your lifestyle. So that the healthy choice is the easy choice the easier it is to live a healthy lifestyle. So we become the product of our environment. So, you know, you become the five people you spend most time with, you become most like. So if you kind of want to be healthier, try to get healthier friends. If you want to get more active, get active friends. If you want to start eating more veg, start hanging around with the local vegetarians, you know, start, we become our environment. But even, even I was going to say, just to bring it back up on top of that, like nowadays, last year, I think it was in 2018, the UK, you know, the way there's like ministers for health, there's minister for finance, they nominated their first minister for loneliness because 14 to 16% of the UK population now is either extri- all the time lonely or ex- experiences lots of loneliness. So loneliness has become an epidemic in our society where, you know, we, we are obviously the most connected ever via the internet and via phones and all these type of things. But realistically, the most basic physiological we need as humans is the need for connection, that need for belonging, that need for being a part of a tribe And nowadays, I think via mobile phones, people are losing the basic social skills to interact with one another. We see it when we employ younger people. They don't tend to the same social skills as older people in terms of just Basically talking to people because they much spend much more time used to texting or whatever those can interact. Mm -hmm. So, so point number three, I think it's the most basic, simple, fundamental thing. We are all insecure, flawed humans that want to feel accepted. We want to feel loved. We want to feel part of something. And really, realistically, we're going around each one of us are going around with signs saying, please love me. I am worthy, you know, and we're all using different strategies to be accepted. Like some of us are having or going to the gym and having big muscles. Other of us are taming money. Other of us are doing other different strategies to feel accepted and belonging. I think the most basic fundamental thing, and that's why I think the the actual time we're existing in right now where there's, you know, as I said, I think there's a mass awakening in a sense. We're realizing how important connection, community, kindness, supporting your neighbors- all these basic simple things. So I think point number three is to be aware that we have such a need for connection and community and to really proactively cultivate these things within your life. Like I see, like we bring our kids to the playground and I watch my daughter and they run straight up to some other kid and they go, hi, can I be your friend?
0: So cute.
1: And that's it. Like they've made a friend. Whereas as adults, it's just, you know. What do you do for a living? Hi, I I drive a big car. Yeah, you know, like it's just, you know. We're, We're a bit more detached and a bit more afraid. But ultimately, all we want to feel is love and acceptance and a part of it, something.
0: Totally. And I absolutely agree with you. So right now, as we are recording this, it is March 2020, and we are retreating in our homes due to the coronavirus. So we aren't able to have that physical connection. So what can we do? I
1: know certainly in Ireland, we're still let out of our homes. We just have to social distance it's two meters between people. So I think you can even get on the phone and have a virtual coffee with someone. Like, it really is making these. My daughters are having virtual play dates with their friends most days. So I think it's following nearly. Even, even, even the kids were so excited yesterday. They were writing letters, running across the road, delivering it into Dave's daughters. And then they were sending, exchanging letters all day long. Elsie got a typewriter, so they're typing. And just simple things like that. But you, there's a sense of belonging because ultimately, we're. We we grew up as humans. We evolved. This is one theory, anyway, on the, the savannas of Africa, and we we didn't thrive and survive there because we were the biggest or the fastest or the most intelligent. Well, we probably did because we were the most intelligent, but it was our ability to function as a tribe. And if you became isolated, you naturally became lonely, vulnerable, afraid because there was a a tiger or a lion or a, something going to come and eat you. So it, it was natural. We we are we have evolved for multiple years to belong and i think really as i said virtual kind of coffees or whatnot if, if whatever country you live in if you're able to go outside at a social distance and spend time with people i know i've called into my neighbor and i've sat at least two meters apart and we've sit and had tea and we just chatted and solved it all we watched the birds we watched people go by you know so i think there is very many ways that you can still interact but there is that really underlying need within ourselves within each one of us to connect to other people and particularly at a time like this, it probably becomes more aware. People are more open than they've ever been. Like I really, in my whole life, I've never seen every single person I walk past looks at you. They say, hi, we're all feeling vulnerable. We're feeling insecure. And people asking, are you doing okay? Yeah, stay well tends to be, oh, stay healthy, you know, and there's these kind of beautiful greetings and gestures. So I think everyone's kind of, like, particularly at this time, people are open, they're receptive. You can make some really great connections during this period. So I, like, I don't know yeah. what the what the criteria is in everyone's country if you are allowed out or not, and what the social distancing rules are. So I guess you've got to adhere to the government rules, but within that, there is huge opportunities. Whether it's virtual, because seldom in in I guess society before the corona, people didn't really express vulnerability. We kind of we're we're living our best life, and you got to be as positive as you can, and you know, put the best side out. But I think. In times like this, we're all expressing more vulnerability and it's easier to connect through vulnerability and honesty. Yeah, there's a lot less ego, it seems, around. There's a lot less kind of running away. Suddenly, Yeah, you know, you see all these big deal influencer people that are just being normal like everyone else because everyone's just normal underneath it all, you know.
0: Oh, totally. And I think social distancing might not be the best word. It's more like physical distancing because it doesn't mean that you can't be social. You can still be social. I have been having lots of FaceTime video catch-ups with my beautiful friends and things like that. And then, yeah, you're physically distancing yourself from people or leaving the two meters in between. So what you've said is so important us humans are hardwired for connection and intimacy. It's how we thrive. Look at the blue zones. It's one of the core ingredients for longevity and happiness. But we're up to number four. What's the fourth one?
1: A fourth one, I think, is pretty a basic, simple. It sounds boring and whatnot, but we're, we are actually living within a sleep epidemic nowadays like where 70 percent of people do not get their seven and a half at least seven and a half hours sleep in the western world so like statistically we've got between 10 and 15 percent less sleep than our parents or our grandparents did so and sleep is like as matthew walker says it's like a leaky roof in your house like it will wreak havoc in every area of your house the same way bad sleep wreak havoc on every area it, of your body it, it, and for, your health. for any man listening if you get Five to six hours sleep consistently, typically you'll have the testosterone level of someone 10 years older than you. And testosterone, as we all know, is very important for being a man. And it's also important for muscle mass and many other biological functions. Uh, for anyone who's interested in weight management, if you typically get six hours sleep on a, any night, the, the next day you're going to eat two to 300 calories more than you normally would. And of those calories, they're typically not. The right ones. And Absolutely. it's a healthy one. Because you feel tired, you feel a bit not functioning at your best and you have a choice between a croissant or a bowl of, pot, of oatmeal or oats. Most people have picked the croissants because it's much easier to get those calories or to absorb that energy. So it's less, less strain on your body. But... Uh, but maybe here's uh, like five things, which we'll always try to we apply to. Dinner, another five like, things. Another five. five. So this is 5A. <laughs> uh, okay, so five things to try to improve your sleep. Uh, point number one, I think it's about regularity. It really is. It's like people will look at us and go, geez, you get up at 5 a.m., you're mad. Like, you must never sleep. It's like, no, I go to bed at 9 o'clock. And I do, like, I literally, my body at 8.30, I get exhausted. Like, it feels like a bus hits me. I start winding down and I'm in bed by 9 o'clock. Like and I sleep and I get up at five o'clock. But regularly going to bed and getting up at the same time is so fundamental. Yeah, we important. have a circadian rhythm, which is just a fancy word for we've a, a natural biological system that functions within the 24-hour clock. And the more we go to bed at the same time we get up at the same time, the easier it is to have a consistently good night's sleep. And that's easy nowadays because most of us are trapped in our homes <laughs> at the moment. And, and like there's no excuses, but like it's really, it really is so fundamentally important. I see with my cats, like you see with animals. They're cats, like, my cats, they're like clockwork. Like cats can't fucking read the clock, but every morning at five a.m., me is scratching on the door. Like she's like, like she can't read the clock. Like her circadian rhythm is so in tune. Like literally within five minutes, I can set. Sometimes it's four fifty-five, sometimes it's five ten. But she's like, she's on the money. Like so, we all of this circadian rhythm. And the more consistency you can have with going to bed and getting up the same time. And that's not saying like sometimes you are going to stay up later and sometimes you are going to lie in or whatnot, but really do your best around this. If you do go to bed a lot later, maybe just have a nap. Just try to have a nap. Get up the the same time. So that's point number one. Point number two, I think, is try to have a sleep routine, a bedtime routine. You know, I see it with my own daughters. I've got a routine. It takes about an hour. We kind of read books. I put them in the bath. We might have a foot bath. We, we take it easy. We put on our jams. We, it takes about an hour. It's a full bedtime routine of trying to actually wind them down. Whereas as adults, you're sitting there, you're watching something on your phone, you're doing whatever. You brush your teeth, you go to the toilet and you get into bed. Like, And it takes five minutes as adults. Whereas like realistically, I, and this is, I actively try to cultivate this myself at eight o'clock. I turn my phone off. I don't look at screens. I take out my little notebook. I write ideas in my notebook. I, all the lights are dimmed. I actually read stuff. And then I go to bed at nine o'clock and like, that's I actually have a bedtime routine which tries to wind me down so that when I do get into bed, I'm fucking useless. Like, I'm only good for sleeping, you know. Point number three in terms of sleep. Point number three, B, 5, a. <laughs> <laughs> that Your bedroom should be slightly cooler in temperature. We tend to sleep, like, as mammals, it was generally temperature that would, uh, the rise in temperature would be when we would wake up, and as it cooled, we would naturally want to go to sleep. So ideally, your bedroom is slightly cooler than the rest of your house. Point number four is that our exposure to artificial light. So artificial light, such as in this room here, secrete blue-green spectrums of light, which will reduce or impede our body's production of melatonin, which is our kind of rest and restore or hormone associated with sleep. So the more we can turn off artificial lights and light a candle, the easier it is to have higher melatonin, which means we're more likely to sleep. And that might sound like really heebie-jeebie, turn, light a candle, turn light some incense. But really, but even in studies, when people were away from artificial light, like out in nature, typically they'd go to bed two to two and a half hours earlier than they normally would because their melatonin levels were much higher. So, yeah, I think I think the, the essence in terms of sleep is get back to your inner mammal. You know, we have become modernized creatures, products of our society of that to be Western productive. culture. We need to That's be winning, living our best life. Yes. Yeah. But like sleep is just, you know, it, it, I think it's the best thing you can do in terms of health. Even these blue zones that the longest living, healthiest, happiest people, they typically get between eight, nine and and a half hours sleep.
0: Oh, what? And a nap as well? Yeah, so they're
1: pretty much like, they're like kids. Cats. They're like cats. No, cats sleep 18 hours a day. <laughs> but they are like three-year-olds. So yeah, so, so I think sleep. Oh, sleep was... Okay, so sleep, that was point 0.4 was sleep. Oh, and then the last... Oh, point 0.5, okay, last and final one. I think people, this is the most people important. can get caught up with, you know... Uh, I think I think to be healthy, I need turmeric. No, 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 no. It's kale. No, no, no. I need to be mindful. No, I need. A, oh, I, I need a meditation. I, I need a gratitude. I need a gratitude journal. But ultimately, everyone probably listening knows someone that's lived to the age of ninety. They smoke twenty cigarettes a day. They drank a bottle. Okay, they drank a me. bottle of whiskey. They love gambling. They like they didn't really live a healthy, happy life, but they they no. la- they had loads of humans around them. They laughed a lot. They had loads of joy. They had purpose. They had meaning. So I think it's not getting obsessed with any of these five points which we're giving, because ultimately, like statistically, this is not being pessimistic. We are going to die. That's highly likely to happen at some point at during some point during our lives. So it's really about not taking it too serious, like really, really taking it easy. Like I've seen myself in my own life when I go to some of the poorest countries in the world, I've seen the most joyous humans and they've had the least amount of stuff. They've just, like they're cruising, they're having a gorgeous time. So I think each one of us is our own little journey. Don't take it serious. You know, have a laugh. We're all going to die one day. Let's do our best and let's try to celebrate it together. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love these tips, guys. These are amazing. And I want to encourage everyone to take on board these five things and implement them into your life. They're so powerful and so important. And they're the basics. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I feel like so many people are searching for this like magic bullet, this quick fix, like, how can I be happier and healthier? And it really is about stripping it back and coming back to the basics, like eating good food, sleeping, laughter, community. Like, these are the things that are so easy to do, but they're also so easy not to do. And it's about actually doing them every single day. But I want to know, like, how do you know when you're truly happy?
1: I think you probably know, like, I I think in a sense, you're probably going to know there's more ease, there's less anxiousness or less frustrations. There's more grace and fluidity and balance to your life, like, those words aren't typically associated because people think you've got to be, you know, having such a laugh and on a plane drinking champagne, you know, and those would be the things or I'm in Bali doing yoga, you know, they're the things. But when I think in the most joyous moments that I've had, they've probably been sitting looking at the sea with my daughters or climbing rocks or cycling a bike or watching a horse jump over a fence. When, when you're you know. lost in a moment, and you're yeah. kind of literally... You've lost track of time. You've just you're just caught in the moment. So and can I can I say one thing back to what's going on at the moment? And I likened it to a mass awakening, which sounds like stupid. What a moron! There's people dying in this world, but realistically, I, I think. Right. And, there's no and I'm not yet. disrespecting in any sense. I'm just saying that there's another side to it. And in a sense, when we are all being socially isolated and physical distancing, and all these various things, money has far less value. Like it really does, because you can only spend it on food. There's no stores open other than food, or to go buy you know, hair gel or whatever it is, some pharmacy, you know, you can't, money's not that valuable anymore. So people are being forced to look outside of themselves for other things. Where do I find meaning? How do I find a sense of ease? How do I find enjoyment in my own day-to-day life? How can I relax and move beyond any anxiety that I'm And it's really difficult for so many of us because you know, we're used to distracting ourselves with trying to get money to buy a house, to buy a car, to do all these things because these are the things that are going to make us happy. But now we're almost being forced to look inside of ourselves, which is, and that's why I've co- I've used the term mass awakening. And I apologise if I offended anyone, but realistically, I think that's we've got a, this opportunity to look inside of ourselves and to try to slow down. Like we are being forced to slow down to, I don't know, reflect, take it easy, like read. Become our own best friends again. Because I think that's the bit that, like, actually start to love ourselves and be kind to ourselves and less outside of yourself.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, with the way that the world is right now, there is more suffering, there's more depression, there's more anxiety, there's more suicides than ever before. Like, it's an epidemic, like you said before. So, how can we move from that darkness, from those dark moments, the adversity, the grief, the dark thoughts, the depression, how can we move from that to happiness? What are your thoughts?
1: I think with life, my my wife is a clinical psychologist, and I remember when i we grew up in a very male orientated home, as in there was me and Dave and two other brothers. We went to all boys schools. we played a lot of rugby. It was very. Kind of machismo culture, really, and it was, you know, only over the last maybe 10-15 years. I, I remember when I first met my wife, she kind of asked me um to tell me about your emotions, like, like what you experienced and I was like, emotions? What, what? What's an emotion? And I kind of went, I, I'm lucky. I only get the good ones. Like, I'm, I kind of feel happiness. I feel tired. Hungry. I feel hungry, and and horny. Horny is an emotion, you know. I really didn't, didn't, you know, I, I was, I was very uncomfortable, and I wasn't in any way aware. And she kind of looked at me like I've. You know, three heads or what? You know, what? Who am I with? And she kind of, she kind of, I guess, over a period of time has kind of taught me the importance of a full range of emotions and being not being afraid to express them all. That every human on this planet has a full range of emotions, which we need to express. And if we don't express, they will express themselves through us in possible ways that we don't like. So I think it's I'm kind of learning. I know in Ireland there's a, a form of greeting where we say "How are you?" and that's "How are you?" and typically you know, if it's with another man, it's like good or grand or crap or tired. That's kind of the full range of emotions. But I'm kind of using it as an opportunity when someone asks me to pause for, you know, a few seconds, it might be a little bit uncomfortable and go, actually, I feel a little bit overwhelmed. And when I say something like that, the person that previously told me they felt great, they go, actually, I feel pretty crap too. And suddenly you've actually connected with something vulnerable and something more authentic. So it's something that uh, I've been trying. And I think it's it's not necessarily for us all to idealize happiness. I think it's, you know, there's night and day, there's the natural duality, there's the natural what goes up must come down. I think it's important not to to try to experience happiness all the time. There's going to be natural times when it's important that you sit with your sadness. It's important that we sit with our anxiety. It's important that we work through it, but we are not our anxiety. We are not our sadness. We are We are a multifaceted human that has many different spectrums to it. And, and I think it's the more you can, Not necessarily experience just happiness. I think happiness is a product of many things you do. And if there's a general sense of underpinning within you, a sense of gratitude, sense of joy, sense of an ability to experience the present moment for what it is, I think that's really joyful. And maybe maybe to move the conversation away from happiness, maybe it's more a curiosity. Like, like when I look at my children, like they're curious, they're curious about everything. Like they really are. They're inquisitive. They want to know there's that real childlike wonder about everything and when I, when I look at people that tend to be, seem to experience more levels of happiness or joy or these type of things, there is a curiosity, there is a, a naivety, there is a kind of innocence. An innocence, all these basic things. There's a wonder there. Wow, look at that tree. Isn't it amazing? You know, like stupid basic things, not like I've only got one million in my bank account if, I, if it compounds for another year, I'll have 1.5, you know. So like, I think it's that cultivating that sense of curiosity and like, and if you were told, if if anyone is listening, if you were told you've had, you've got a day to live or a week to live, people are going to slow down. We're innately going to slow down and we're going to start tasting each bite of our food instead of the first bite and the last bite. We might genuinely open up and have those tough conversations, which results in more connection. You know, we might call our mother or father and go, hey, listen, I'm sorry I haven't talked to you for three years. And, and, and through those really tough conversations, your heart opens and there's and so many different things. And, and also, as Stephen said, I think it's a product of of lots of the things which we do. And like those five tips which we did, if you... If your sleep becomes better, you're much more likely to make better food choices. If you make better food choices, your mental health is probably gonna be better. You're probably going be much more likely to move more. If you move more, you're probably gonna have more endorphins, more serotonin in your body. You might be outside, you might meet someone, you might connect with humans, therefore you feel better, your life starts changing, you make friends, you sleep, you know, and it, it tends to be a positively compounding cycle, which just like they keep feeding off one another. Of so I really think there is foundational elements and those number of factors which we did, I really think, are some of the foundational things. And then there's other little things you can sprinkle in, like curiosity. And you know, trying to be kind and love yourself, you know, those basic simple things.
0: It really is an inside job, isn't it? It really is about taking responsibility and asking yourself these big questions, like what truly lights me up? What brings me joy? What makes me feel happy? And for me, it's like a daily thing. Like I wake up every morning and I'm like, what will bring me the most joy today? And usually it's having a dance in the lounge room to Taylor Swift with my husband. Like something so simple and just silly dancing and singing and things like that. Like really, like that brings me the most joy out of everything that I'm doing and, you know, being out in nature. So I think it's about stopping, pausing, asking yourself what really lights you up? What brings you joy? What is happiness to you? And then doing those things each and every single day. That's how we find happiness within ourselves and then that's how we be happy. And I love what you said before, it's not about striving to be only happy all the time because you are going to feel other emotions and that's okay. You're not broken, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just part of being a human in this earth suit. We're gonna feel a full range of all of the emotions and that's okay. I think one of the best life skills you can have is learning how to move through them. Like I visualize the emotions like a wave and they're going to be, you know, those waves are just going to wash over you. And we have to allow that to happen. And we've got to find the tools and the strategies and the ways that we can deal with our emotions, whether that's talking to someone or journaling, whatever works for you and finding the things that are going to help you be more in a joyful, happy state, but not suppressing anything else. I think that's really key. But I want to know, do you feel like it's a flick? You know, do you feel like happiness is something that we can just flick on, like a switch? Do you know what I mean? Or do you feel like it's compounding?
1: I think, like, there was another point which I was just thinking there was that, like, society, we've we all been so conditioned via movies, social media everything that like and we're so programmed that i see it in myself i catch myself all the time like that we need money we need clothes we need a new car we need social status we need lots of likes we, like this that programming is so innate in all of us that i see it myself and i'm constantly catching myself and go no you don't need any more i'm one of the most fortunate humans on the planet i don't need any more i need more ease i need more i need to slow down i need to You know, and those kind of things. And it's, I think, I think it's, to answer your question directly, I really don't think it's a switch. I think it's really, it's like a, a thousand mile journey and you've just got to keep making baby little steps. There is obviously no destination, but I think it can be easier. Easier and more pleasant. I, I think those emotions sometimes we are focusing on happy and we're focusing on excitements, but there's other adjectives like I think pleasant is an underrated emotion. I think when you look at some of the more joyous people and uh, so when I think of myself, some of my, my most joyous days are they're pleasant days. They're not like the days where you're they're the most on a play, ready, meeting, blah, 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 you know. They're those really pleasant days where I'm at ease in myself and I didn't do a hell of a lot. We went for a walk, I had a swim. I did something, we went for a cycle with the kids, you know, something really simple. And those can be some of the most fulfilling days. So I think back to exactly what you said, that it's an inside job, that it's, and I think being aware that we all have these conditioning that we, for more things, we need to look beautiful, we need to have abs, we need to have X, Y, Z, we need to have the new iPhone, I need to have a new laptop, uh, I need to own my own house. There's all these kind of programming and it's really I I just see it in myself—the constant being aware that no, you've I have enough. No, I think real success, real happiness, real joy, real ease, real pleasantness is that awareness. That the more I become aware that I don't need as much, that I can, I can a simple life is can be some of the most fulfilling stuff that there is.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. What are you guys working on within yourself at the moment that you? You know, maybe want to improve? Because I feel like where I have a growth mindset and I'm always growing and learning and evolving. What's something that you guys are working on right now?
1: How to have more ease. Constantly, I'd say how to... Like I'd say the, the number one thing which I'm working on is how to actually have more ease. When I think... When I honestly ask myself that question, what do I need to change in my life and what do I think the world needs to change? It's to stop rushing to have more ease to have more appreciation of the simple little things so i'd say when i boil it all down to that's the only thing i'm working on everything else is just distraction like all work stuff all these other things they're great they're wonderful but it's really underneath it all it's how to have more ease how to have more joy how to be more present all those basics and i get distracted 90% of the time but there might be <laughs> maybe there's 2% i don't know what percentage of the time but there is pockets where i really do feel that sense of ease and that sense of connection so. I'm working on being more present. I remember back many years ago when we were kind of traveling and kind of, I guess, going through an internal change. I remember we got really into meditation and we used to kind of meditate two hours every day and did it for many years. And I remember there was a huge clarity and it was very present. And I guess through the last number of years, just huge mental distractions and the business and the excitement of all this. I've kind of somewhat lost touch with it in some degree. So, um, yeah, working on meditating more and uh, getting back and connecting with that sense of peace and yeah. calm and quiet.
0: Yeah. Meditation for me is like, oh, it's my elixir. I love it so much. Some people go to coffee. I go to meditate. It's just, yeah, it's so beautiful. I'd love to hear now if you guys had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, besides your books, what is one book that you would choose?
1: I always loved Siddhartha by Herman Hess. I always thought that was one of the most beautiful books. Now I haven't read it for 10 years or 15 years, but I just remember it was such a well written, beautiful book about what's important and what's not important. And it's really, I think it's the story of Buddha you know, his whole little story, but it's very humanized. It's not this idealized version of this. A religious thing. Superhuman. You know, it was just a very pleasant, well-written, beautifully written book that was, you know, it was easy to read in a couple of days. I thought that was a beautiful book. i trying to think what, like, as I think school kids, I'm trying to think, would, would school kids necessarily read that book? I was trying to think of that, that you know, the beautiful. Harry book. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, kids read <laughs> I read it with my kids and that was one of the most Fun, like that's one of the most fun experiences I had. with My daughters. We spent two and a half years, I'd say, reading every one of the books. Both of them curled up, and we and we read all seven books. And it was, and we've watched all the movies, and we've been to London's platform, three regardless. And those were just pure joy, pure getting lost in the moment of absolute pleasantness. So, but like, maybe those type of things, rather than you know, the other things, that they were some of the most joyous ones. Yeah, I don't know if there's necessarily a book that's gonna light the fire for every child i think it's important to acknowledge that everyone's different and everyone will see the world differently i think that's really important and i think there's no one way to this this now okay good now answer the question now try to answer the question uh, okay i'll go with what awareness awareness by anthony de i think that's a very you know good book as, oh that, that one well. i've been but reading I, for yeah. 25 years I, I, it's one of the book i always bring on holidays yeah, Wearing a needs a man, I think that's, yeah, a nice. that's a really nice yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, my copy's so worn.
0: I love it. It's so good when you get a good book, hold on to it, reread it. It's so great. I have three rapid fire questions for you that I'd love to hear your answers for. Are you guys ready? And we can go like one and the other, okay? Yeah. Okay. So, what's one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Just one thing.
1: Swim in the sea or have a cold shower. Love it. Hang out with some friends physically. Well, you, maybe you can't do physically, but someone that you feel a sense of connected or a sense of belonging to. And I would say call someone that you've wanted to call for ages, but have been afraid.
0: Oh, like yes. your
1: mother or like those people that you just know you're connected to, but you're scared. Do it.
0: I love those. Thanks, guys. Okay, what is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life.
1: Can stop looking for more. Try to look at how much you have.
0: Oh, I love that. But genuinely, and it oh, that sounds so okay. cliche. I, can I
1: change my book one? Okay, Julia Donaldson. She's an author who writes kids' book, and I think it's called A Squash and a Squeeze. Do you ever read that one? No. Oh, it's amazing. It, it, it's like this lady who's given out that her house is so small, and she goes to the wise man, wise man and goes, wise man, my house is so small. Please help me. And the wise man says, take your cow and bring your cow into your house. So she brings her cow into the house. And the next mountain goes... My house feels even smaller. Please, wise man, what will I do? The next day he says, bring your pig into the house. She brings her pig into the house. My room feels easy. And the pig starts eating her food and she starts giving out. And then, wise man, the next day, what will I do? Bring in the goats. She brings into the goats. And then the next day, what will I do? Bring in the horse. Brings in the horse. And then the end of the week goes, wise man, what do I do? Let the animals out. She lets the animals out and goes, oh my God, I live in the biggest house ever. And I think that was such a good reminder that ultimately it's not necessarily what we're trying to accumulate. It's what we have. We have this incredible experience called life. And I think the more we can see it that way, I suppose it's, it's a race to collect possessions.
0: Yes. And it's all about perspective, you know?
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because really, I think we're, there's so much wealth and it, it's, it's not necessarily related to do with what you have.
0: Exactly. Simplifying and minimalism, you know, that's where it's at. I feel like we're moving more to that, which is great. Okay. One last question in our rapid fire. What is one thing that we can do for more love? The most important thing that we can do for more love today?
1: Be kinder to yourself. Yeah, ultimately love turn is it's your relationship with yourself. So I think it's to, to remember to to look to yourself and to stop looking outside that I need this other person necessarily to complete me. I think we're we're born pretty remarkable humans. Does sound a bit cliche, but I think it's down to your self talk. Like if you beat yourself up, like I don't know what kind of practice you can do. I know a friend, he recommends he has a photo of himself when he was young and he literally takes it and he looks at it every every day for 15 minutes and he looks at himself when he was young and happy and he goes, am I talking, to, like, how can I be this, how can I be kind to this innocent, beautiful child, you know? And he really kind of, he spent years doing this and through that process he's become a lot kinder with his own self-talk and, like, more self-love and I think that's it, that in each one of us there is a, an innocent three-year-old that's pure and beautiful and what you talk to an innocent three-year-old the way that you talk to yourself right now, like it's really, we're all these sensitive, beautiful creatures and how we can become more caring and loving to ourselves, you know?
0: Yeah. I have a photo next to my bed of myself when I was about five and every morning I roll over and I say, I love you so much. And I kiss the photo. I do like, and it reminds me that she is in there and I've got to be really nice to her because she is in there. And it's a really powerful thing to do. Sometimes I meditate with that photo just sitting in front of me if I feel like I'm beating myself up a lot, if I feel like I have been self-sabotaging, those sorts of things. So I highly recommend doing that. Carry an image around with you. Put one beside your bed. Put it in your wallet. Have it as a screensaver on your phone to remind yourself that you are such a miracle. And that beautiful little miracle is still inside you. And we wouldn't speak to our best friend the way that we sometimes speak to ourselves. So really, this comes back to full circle what we're saying at the start, which is like, it's an inner job, like pure happiness comes from within. So I want to know, like, what advice do you have for someone who might be experiencing real turmoil right now, whether that's depression or you know, just grief or sadness or loneliness, like what advice do you have for them?
1: I guess first and foremost, massive empathy, because it sounds really hard. And I guess probably the to go forward with the idea that it's going to pass, you know, like you've got to have the perception that it's going to pass at some point and that brighter days will come And I think the more we can turn to support, it's at times like that, it's kind of like in a forest, if there are trees around you, if a tree falls down, it's kind of propped up still, even though it's maybe not necessarily falling over. And I think the more we can have others around us at times like this to help support us and acknowledge what we're experiencing and not tell us, you know, change and you shouldn't be experiencing that. I think the more we can have others that can see us for who we are and acknowledge too that, you know, it will pass. The, the... Yeah, some of the greatest humans that I know are the ones that have been really on the edge. They've been they've been contemplating getting rid of their life or ending their life. And they've somehow managed to ride through that. And it's give, it's been their greatest gift in a sense because they now have this vulnerability and this rawness and they can relate to people that have been there. So some of the most beautiful humans that I've met in my life have been ones that have experienced the darkness, you know, the depths of darkness that... Lots of people haven't. And as a result, they've just got this level of empathy and connection that many people don't have. So I think to really believe that and really know that it, it, someday it will become a gift, it, will, it, it can become your greatest strength, you know, it really is. So, and I'm not saying that to try to offend anyone who is in these dark places, but I don't know. If yeah, it, hopefully it might help. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. One of my favourite quotes is, this too shall pass.
1: Yeah, yeah. Reaction, yeah.
0: And I remind myself of that all the time. Whenever I'm feeling down or depressed or sad You're
1: feeling I, up as well. Remind yeah, yourself, this too will pass. You know Totally. Like you're feeling beautiful. You look in the mirror, and go, Jeez, I'm looking good today.
0: This too shall pass. You're like, no.
1: <laughs> or I look down and I go, Wow, cool, I'm in great shape. Go, no, this isn't this is gonna pass, so enjoy it.
0: <laughs> totally. Soak it up, enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Guys, this has been amazing. I love your energy. I love everything you've shared. It's been beautiful. I'm a big believer in service. And what you guys do is of massive service to the world. You spread so much love, so much joy, so much happiness, so much energy. So I want to know how I personally and the listeners can give back and serve you today. What can we do to serve you?
1: Uh jeez I don't know have a nice time be be kind I can do that be easier be easier to yourself be more loving to yourself I think that would be it I think because that's the ultimate service we can all ultimately the most the more we can do for ourselves the more we're doing for one another So really, that's it. But if anyone, we've got it. We're on social media and we're on all sorts of things. So the happy pair, you, you know, if you've got the internet, you'll find us.
0: Yes. And we'll link to everything in the show notes. So people can come and find you. They can get your books. They can come and discover you on Instagram. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. So everyone can come find you. And I just wanted to thank you, Dave and Steve, so much for being here, for sharing so much wisdom and your love and your energy. I absolutely love your energy. It's so infectious. Like I can't help but smile from ear to ear being here with you guys because you can just really feel your energy. So thank you so much for being here and for spreading so much love and happiness into the world. Cheers, Melissa.
1: Cheers, Melissa.
0: Thanks for being here, guys. Bye. 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 Well, that was a lot of fun. If you're not beaming from ear to ear like I am, I don't know why because they were so much fun, such good value, loads of energy, and so much great advice and tips and tricks and wisdom. So I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave me a review on iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. Don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading them all. So please keep sending them to me. And for everything that we mention in today's show, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 328. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And now before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now.